Welcome back to another episode of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former UC basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the legendary coach, my man, Bob Huggins. And I was fortunate enough to wear the iconic Jordan brand unis during my time. Now, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn, Alex Meacham. I'm on Snapchat, at Big Meach 41, and soon to be on TikTok. That's right. Now, this is the special edition of the podcast, my interview series with a very special guest. All right, Bearcat fans, I'm excited to bring in this Bearcat great. Now, I've interviewed him before, and this is a part two, and it was such a great interview. I wanted to get him back on again. He's a former McDonald's All-American Bearcat legend, number six pick in the 2000 draft for the NBA. And I'm going to tell you, he is the same dude I met in 1999 as he is today in 2020. He hasn't changed. Very humble very down to earth. I'd like to bring in my guy, number three, Dermar Johnson. What up, Slam? Mish, what's going on, brother? Man, hanging in there, man, trying to trying to survive these crazy times. What about you? Same man, just um trying to stay healthy and you know, just just, just grinding. Yeah, I hear you. Two quick questions before we kinda of dive into the to the topics of this interview here, but how many times do you have to correct people that pronounce your name incorrectly? Um, Does that happen a lot? They not pronouncing it per se, but spelling it wrong. Yeah, people all people always spell it wrong when when they when they writing it down. But a lot of people don't really say say Demar. They'll they'll say DJ a lot, but it's just the spelling. They almost never get it right. Do you, so do you get to a point where you're just like, ah, oh, man, forget it. I'm tired of correcting people, spelling it the wrong way. No, I got I to gotta correct them. They gotta you got to correct That's right. <laughs> I feel you on that one. So why did you pick number three? Um, Well, I, I originally wanted number one, and and I was told that I couldn't wear number one for some reason, I guess, in college. At that time, they said you couldn't do it, but then, then I guess that that wasn't true because Jamal Crawford came in the world number one in Michigan. So three, three was just kind of kind of my next number. This is man, this is so crazy. I so first of all, I never knew that that you wanted to come in and wear number one. Well, here's a crazy story. When I came in, I wanted to wear number one. I was told that I could not wear number one, mm-hmm. and I don't know this to be true, but the reason they told me I couldn't wear number one, swear to God they told me this, they told me I had to pick a different number because Oscar Robertson wore number one in practice. That was his practice jersey number. And I'm like, what? Wow. And they were like, we don't want anybody wearing a number associated with, with Oscar right now. I said, man, that is the craziest. But I'm a walk-on, so I'm like, hey, wow. man, give me give me num- number 41, Glenn Rice, my, one of my favorite <laughs> shooters. That's, that's crazy. I didn't know that about you, and people don't believe me when I tell them I wanted one, and they wouldn't let me have it. 
Right. That's they, crazy. They kinda, I don't know why they didn't want me to wear number one. They made it say like it was some NCAA thing. But that's um, yeah. <clears throat> well, listen. Uh, since you've been back and you've reengaged yourself with the Bearcat program, you've been in Cincinnati. Um, your, your story has been well documented, and, and it's out there a lot, and fans know it. And, and I want to touch on a few things with your past, but I want to focus more on life after basketball. Get your thoughts on UC Hoops, the program right now. Talk a little bit about the last dance. But just going back a little bit, you were McDonald's All-American, you know, came to UC, and, and from day one, your plan was to be one and done. Now, looking back on that, DJ, did do you think, looking back, would you have done anything differently, or would you have taken the same path that you did? Good question. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I, I would have done anything differently. Um, maybe my story would have been more interesting had I came on after junior year, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like you know, yeah. everybody predicted I could have or. Had I been a straight out of high school guy, but what I always tell people is, I'm I'm glad that I got a chance to go to um, to go to school and come to Cincinnati because look at me now I'm I'm, I'm in Cincinnati and mm-hmm. I got a chance to go back to school um, and and finish my degree and ha- have a place that I can call a second home with a whole bunch of fans who love and appreciate me for playing for their school and had I not had I not done that because in NBA you know I played for this team played for that team um and I'm pretty sure I got fans in those cities but it's not like fans <laughs> not like college yeah. yeah and especially on the team that we had a team that everyone felt like you know could have could have gone all the way and people really appreciate sure. that team, appreciate me you know coming to their school for sure. And, and I always tell when I talk to young people, I talk to them about building pockets of families during your journey. So you're always trying to find, you know, you you go to school, the high school, college or, you know, different organizations you're involved with. You build different pockets of family. And so what you're talking about is you build a family, you know, here in Cincinnati. Now, when you reengage yourself back with the Bearcat program in Cincinnati, were you surprised that Bearcat fans embraced you so much when you returned? <clears throat> so, because a lot of times, you know, you look at one and dones, you were really only on campus for two semesters, right? For sure, yeah. So, was it a we- was it a weird thing for you? Like, will they will they know? Will they remember me? Do they even care about me? Did that run through your mind? Yeah, for sure, I, it, it did. I had no idea because I, I was here. I was here so quick and. It had been so long since I've been back. The people who was here with me, I don't like. I don't. I don't know where, they, where these people are. It was, mm-hmm. I was here, and I was. I was here, and I was gone. So when I came back, before I decided to permanently come back for school, I, just a few people that would just see me, like, "Are you Demar? Is that Demar?" And I remember this. Remember, I'm like, "Wow, you know, I can't believe you know people really even remember me like that." And they remember specifics, like. <laughs> <laughs> they were they, where they were when I hit the shot against DePaul and certain yep. games and you know people know this stuff and mm-hmm. I was like you know what it might it might be a good idea to to come back here you know because I was playing at the time I stopped playing 
to come mm-hmm. back in and finish school and, and help Mick with the guys. Yeah. And, and that's, it's always a funny thing. Like you were only here two semesters, one and done, but I mean, it really seemed, I think it had a lot to do with that team you were on, but it seemed like you were here a lot longer than you were. And the reason I say that is because there was such a microscope on the team you were on. Like every move you guys made, you guys were constantly interviewed, talked about. I mean, I think there was that picture that I remember. I don't know what it was on, but it was you and Oscar, right? Right. Yep. And like stuff like that, it was just so much content about that team and it was it's hard to forget you and and just anybody on that team regardless of the short period you know they were here but so let's let's talk a little bit about um you know coming back and 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 we're going to talk about you know helping coach with with Mick um so first of all you decide to come back and coach with Mick and come back to UC you you, you could have done this at West Virginia with Hooks, right? You you could have done this somewhere else. Why you see? Yeah, a few, a few years prior, Hugs kind of seen him in Vegas at at one of the AAU tournaments, and he he proposed the same thing to me. At that time, I was just really really into into playing. I was still playing when when Mick told me, um, but then a few years later. You know, it, I was, you know, a little older, uh-huh. and, it, and it kind of just made more sense. But at, at, at West Virginia, I feel like all, all I would have had is hugs. Now, that's yeah. my guy, and I know he would make sure I'm okay. Um, but I didn't go to West Virginia. I just didn't know how I would be embraced just to go back there and be in school and and just kind of, you know, be there. And I'm not working. I'm not getting paid. I'm just there. In school, right? In and, and Morgan, in more sense, yeah. Morgantown's a little bit different than Cincinnati. Yeah, Morgantown is <laughs> a little different now. Hugs offered me a job right now. I'm there. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but Cincinnati just made more sense. Yeah, and and listen, I try to tell people this: um, fans that you know didn't play the game or involved in the game, they they often wonder about. Uh, players' decisions to go pro, like it, it's hard for a kid. Like, take for instance, you—you you were the number six pick in the right. draft. You right. cannot pass that up, right. right? It's just you cannot pass that up. And before, can you talk a little bit about? And this is one thing that I don't even know. Um, and this would be good for fans here, but also myself. The process of getting drafted from the time you finish at UC until draft day. I okay. let me I want to dive into that real quick and I just thought about that. I I've, I've never really talked to anybody about that process. So what was that process like for you? For me it, it was probably easier than most because uh-huh. I cuz I, I just I, I knew that I'm probably not going to go past a certain point. So so what happened was when I when I left Cincinnati, me and Kenyon ended up going with the same major, but obviously he was hurt. He had to rehab and stuff. So we go we go out to LA, you know, where our agent, you know, got us set up at and I'm I'm working out, I'm doing two days. I'm I'm working out in the morning, resting the evening, working out in the afternoon and preparing myself for 
the pro workouts. Uh-huh. So so then I'm going to these these pro workouts, and I only worked out for maybe four or five teams. Um, a lot of guys, you know, they is trying to get into the first round and trying to get drafted. Period. You know, they probably doing twenty, thirty workouts. So I'm, I'm, I worked out for a few teams. Um, when I went, went to Chicago, the pre-draft camp, where a lot of guys, you know, they go and try to, you know, play themselves into the draft. Uh-huh. Me and Kenyon basically just went in there and did our measurements and got out of there because uh-huh. we, we, we pretty much knew that we were going to be drafted pretty high. Right. So my only thing was, am I going to go? Because I didn't work out for the top two teams or top three teams. Am I going to go four, five, six, seven, or eight, or nine? I knew I wasn't going past nine. Uh-huh. I, I didn't think I was going past Atlanta. I just didn't know if Orlando was going to pull the trigger and they end up getting Mike Miller. Now, is this something that your agent tells you or you just already knew? Well, my agent and um, kind of uh, other people, other people that that's cool with my agent that's around, you know, they get they get information from people, um, and the relationships they have with owners and GMs, where they like, you know, we're gonna the kid's not getting past us, or some some people like I know Houston was at nine, and I and I know I wanted to go to Houston. I just like the way they played. Steve Francis and Mucci Norris are two mm-hmm. Maryland DC guys, and and I'm yep. like, man, I don't think I'm, I just don't think I'm gonna get to nine. Um, but and I know some teams may try to trade to to move up. I know Dallas had really wanted me also, and and my agent spoke of them maybe trying to move up in a draft to get me. But that's obviously not a guarantee. The people Atlanta had to pick and they pulled the trigger. Mhm. Now you, you dream about this your entire life, mm-hmm. and then it happens. So. Right. That that feeling at that time when you're like, well, you you know you're going to be selected around that, like you said, around that um, pick, and, and then it actually happens. There's right. one thing to think about it, DJ, and then it's another thing for it to actually happen. That right. moment, what was that like for you? For me, it was kind of like, like wow, and like finally too, right? Because uh-huh. for me, since I was a sophomore, it's like this kid is going to the NBA. He's the next one. So it was kind of in my head that I, I didn't. Only way I, I don't make it to the NBA is if you know I got to really, really screw up because yeah. because of you know how people talked about me in high school. It was like I'm supposed to be this this next one, this six nine guard that's so rare and does things that you know they haven't seen before. Now mm-hmm. for Kenyon, right? Kenyon, because you see Kenyon in the draft. Kenyon's crying. Yep. Kenyon, I mean, I worked my ass off, but Kenyon really had to work his ass off to right. get to the point. He wasn't McDonald's All American. He's different journey. Yeah, different journey, and he mm-hmm. and he and he worked his way to be a number one pick, coming from where he came from, and his emotion was. And I'm just a cool person anyway. I'm not the most, you know, full of emotion person in the world. Uh-huh. But I, I did, it did it did feel great, and they can never take that from me. Sometimes I look back and you know that picture of me shaking stern hand, and it it's it's really it's really meaningful in my life. But at that uh-huh. moment, I'm like man, finally now it's time for me to 
you know, play amongst the, the best players in the world. That's And that's interesting. You you made a great point there that different players have different emotions that moment. Like mm-hmm. for Kenyon, his journey, there were tears there because of everything he had gone through. For you, it was almost a relief like this day is here. Now it's time to get to work. I'm, I'm finally here. Right? Right. Right. It's like, okay, well, is he going to come on after junior year? Is he going to come on after senior year? But, like, the last few years, it's like I wasn't sure what draft I was going to be in. Mm-hmm. Right, I right. Knew, I knew I was going to be walking across that stage at some point. Mm-hmm. Now, during your time playing, and, you, and I know you, like, you're like a, a, a lot of players, you thought you were going to play basketball your entire life. For sure. All right? Like, that, that's that's how we all thought growing up. When you were playing, did, did it ever cross your mind at any point? Or did anybody say to you, did you think, man, I need to go back and get my degree at some point? Um, no, I always, I always kind of knew that, well, yeah, I can. I can do it. Will I do it? Well, I don't know. Um, and the NBA, does a, they, does, they do a good job of trying to help you with that. Like while I was in, when I was in NBA, my younger years, um, they had programs to um, to help us get some credits. And I remember they gave me a big old book of stuff. And I just was like, man, listen, I gotta, <laughs> I, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta focus on on becoming a the best player I can be right now. I'm not. Yep. I can't. I can't even. I looked at that book for a while and tried. I was like, man, I can't do this right now. <laughs> and, we, and we didn't have the internet and all that stuff at that point. Um, it's just been me doing a lot of reading, and I just didn't have time for it. So, right, I, um, it wasn't it wasn't at the top of my list. It wasn't on my mind at all. I felt like I'll be playing forever. Yep, and see, and listen, I the the thing that I think people sometimes don't understand. It's like very few people in this world ever get a chance to play in the NBA. Very few people in the world, and your time in the NBA, no matter how you look at it, is short. The longest NBA career, let's say, what's what's LeBron in? What year is he in? 16, 17. Okay. So even even if he plays five more years, that's still not a long time in the in the scheme of life. Like, looking if you live 80-some years, that's still a short period. So you have to maximize that time. That's one thing I loved about The Last Dance because we really got to see the mind of Michael Jordan, how focused he was in that short period of wanting to be great. But, like, things with school, like, you can go back and do that. You can always go back. You can go, you know, like now you have the the opportunity to do online classes. You can go back to to campuses in some way. The NBA stuff, it's it's there and gone. Right. For sure. And and guys know that. Yeah. So for for you – you know, after you get finished playing, and, and I kind of want to dive into life after basketball now, uh, you decide to get that degree, and a degree gives you it gives you options. Like, you, you could coach in the NBA, DJ, and you, you don't need a degree. That's right. still the rule, right? So you don't right. need a degree to coach in the NBA. But college and high school, you do. So it, it, it gives you options, right? Right. So for you, you get to UC – you know, you you work on your degree while coaching, you know, with Coach Cronin. Um, at that point, I think in, in life we all make business plans, right? We make 
business plans for our life, and we we constantly change it, update it. Like your business plan years ago was to play basketball your entire life, and then that business plan changes. So when you're at UC, you're getting your degree, you're thinking about your new life's business plan. It involves coaching. Um, so so take us through your 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 mind at that point. Your work with me. What are you thinking? Are you do you want to be a uh, a head coach at the college level, use college as a stepping stone to get to the NBA. What's your thought process at that time and how it differs now? Well, uh, like you said, coaching in the NBA or being in the front office or whatever in the NBA, you don't need a degree. So sure. what, what I use coming back to school and getting my degree is, is just having different options, being able to um, to see if I wanted to coach at the college level having an option to coach at the college level mm. and also just getting the coaching experience period, just something else to, to stack on my resume, um, getting the experience learning, you know, behind making how he does things opposed to not opposed, but also with the coaches that I've coached, I played for, you know, learning mm-hmm. everybody's different styles and taking stuff from all the coaches. Um, ultimately I, I, I do feel like, I would like to be in the front office in uh-huh. NBA. Um, uh-huh. Coaching is just something that uh, that I'm, I'm taking off the table. I just want to work in basketball. It's, it's, it's what I know. It's what uh-huh. I love. I want to help um, kids, you know, who who once like myself, get reach their goals and come to become the best players they want to become. Also help teams and schools and whatever organization reach their goals and, you know, do the things they want to do just with all the knowledge and experience that I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you bring a tremendous value at both levels, college, you know, and pro. And, and I think from the from the college standpoint, and correct me if I'm wrong, but one thing I've noticed about you is I've noticed you like player development. Like I've mm-hmm. always noticed you like working with the guys on different aspects of their game. Right. Right, I, I come to practice and you're working with Trey Scott on on something in particular. You're you're playing one of the guys one on one, you know, showing them different stuff. Um, is that is that something that's intriguing for you at at both levels? Yeah, it is, and and also I just I love I love playing and and I love competing. <laughs> I love be beating up on those guys, you know, that's half mm-hmm. half my age, but you know, also helping them because I my, I've been there and. And I see things that that they're they're capable of doing. They got potential to do. They maybe just don't know. So you just using my experience, trying to help them along the way. But it it doesn't always work in college because I remember when I first got to UC, and and um, like one of my first few practices, mixed dad was like, man, I want you to work with Trey. You know, he's he can be really good. So I'm over there and working with Trey. I'm showing him stuff. And then one day in practice, Trey tried to sh- you know, shoot a shot that I thought was a good shot, and Mick <laughs> screamed at him like, "Tell you shoot that shot for I'm like, "Man, all right, you know what's the point of me working with her with this if he can't if he can't do it? You know, in college, you got to right. play for that coach. You got to play how that coach wants you to play. You got to be able to play in their system." And I'm like, "Man, well, the stuff I want to teach him that I was able to do, Mick doesn't want this kid doing it right now." So yeah. You know, it kind of limits. Okay, well, I can't, I can't do that. So I'm trying to learn what he wants from these kids, and try to help them do, do that even more. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> I could, I could <laughs> totally, I know exactly what you're talking about. I could totally see Mick doing that, especially, especially young Trey Scott. You know, versus right. you know, if you look at Trey this past season, which we'll, we'll talk a, a little bit about uh, later in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Let's let's dive into that. What was it like, um, you know, working with Mick? Because Mick, Mick was there. He was there when you were there, correct? Yeah. Coaching. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember if he had left that following couple of years or whatever. So, what what was it like working with with Mick? It was different because because the Mick that I seen when I played wasn't like the Mick that I seen when I got back. <laughs> okay, explain and, that. Um, you know, it was Hugs' team, and Hugs was doing all the yelling and screaming. Uh-huh. And then when I got back, it was like. Mick's doing all the yelling and screaming, and yep. Mick was like the coolest guy when when he was recruiting me, and you know he was here. Uh-huh. He, he he was like cool. He you know he'd hang out with you, and he he was more he was more cool. He still got the coolness in him, but uh-huh. now it's like man, I'm I'm the big guy now. I'm yep. the biggest guy. I'm the biggest guy in the room now. Uh-huh. And and he lets you know he's the biggest guy in the room, and he <laughs> and I'm like, well, I didn't know that guy, right? I, I had I had to get to know that that Mick again, and but he was he was super smart and he was uh-huh. super dedicated, and I mean, it was he took his job seriously. It was yep. all basketball. Now now one time since I've been back, and it was his idea that I come back here. You know that we go out and you know have dinner or have a drink or anything. He was, he was all basketball, uh-huh. and and that was that was kind of new. And that's 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 funny you say that because as you go along the the in coaching as you move up your roles change. So for so long a lot of guys that are assistant coaches are the good cop, and then they become the bad cop. You know that's in that in that role, and so Mick takes on that that bad cop role, and 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 for for you and for me, we both played you know for for Mick when Mick was an assistant. Matter of fact, Mick, I don't know if this was true for you, but Mick was the guard coach when I was at UC, and he worked uh, when we broke down um, <clears throat> bigs and guards. He worked with the guards a lot, so. You know, and 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 Hugs was just—he was on us so hard every single day that Mick was just kind of like we get to the drills and he would try to be cool, make us laugh, and things like that. Uh, and then, right? Yeah. And, Mick, and, Mick is our big man coach, though. But go ahead. Yeah, he switched. I, he switched over at some point. I don't I know. Think my year. I think my year. He 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 switched over. Okay, which is which is very odd that he's five foot five and he's the big coach. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it, it was it was odd for me coming back to to practices when Mick became the head coach and just seeing him like as as the bad cop and he was like a mixture of hugs, Patino. He kind of was taking a little bit of everybody and, and putting it there, right? Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so okay, now let, let, let's talk about this. Um, you just said something earlier. Um, you said if if Coach Huggins calls you right now and says, hey, I've got an assistant job for you at West Virginia. You're off. You're going to take that position. Unless I got some kind of NBA GM position or just unless I got a lot of options. Um, but I, I can't imagine not, not taking not taking that job. I'm about to have something really good 
on the table. Uh-huh. Now, what does it what does it take to get to that MBA front office? What does it take for you to do? What are the steps you need to take? It's it's really about just just who you know, uh-huh. kind of, and and the, the the steps they want you to take. Like I'm in an MBA assistant coaches program now, and and I'm I'm learning a whole lot. I'm learning about all of the um the analytic programming. Uh-huh. And I pretty much know it now because what they're telling us is, you know, the NBA, they hire a lot of guys, a lot of, a lot of basically, I don't want to, like, quote-unquote nerds that, that never played, that they, but they know the analytics. Uh-huh. Yep, and yep. So what they want us to do, and the guys think, you know, because they play ball that they should have those jobs, and, and it's not happening necessarily that way for everyone. Uh-huh. So what the program is showing us, trying to, make us check all the boxes like you uh-huh. can learn you can learn what they know about uh-huh. the analytics stuff they can learn what you know your experience they can never uh-huh. have that yep so but but the program the program is great we're doing all these scouting reports and we're 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 doing basically the jobs that the assistant coaches do we're just doing it for the program and and we're, we're learning a lot then what they will do is they'll Usually, people come out of their program, maybe get a G League job, and kind of just move up from there. But then you got some guys who just get a job straight out, of, straight from home, just because of you know they 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 know somebody, it might have been relationship, somebody, their relationships with somebody, and that person just got a a, a job and can hire them. Mm-hmm. Does the G League interest you at all? Um. Yeah, I mean it's it's a stepping stone. I would rather not have to take that route if, mm-hmm. if I could. But if that's the route I got to take, then then yeah, it's still it's still working around basketball. And so, do you think the G League is going to change here soon? With I think what we saw this past year with the the young man from Memphis being ruled ineligible, um, what Lamelo Ball's doing. Um, you got all these kids. They're going to be taking different routes to get to the NBA moving right. forward. You think you think the G League will be impacted by that and will change? Well, it's it's already changing because I think now the G League sees that and they're and they're putting themselves in a position to get these kids. Like they just paid some kid like five hundred grand. That's crazy to to, to sign to the G League. And I don't know how that's got to be the most it. ever, right? Oh, for sure. They already moved it up because when I played, when it was called the D League, yeah. the A contracts were like twenty five thousand, and Man. now last year they moved it up where now them guys are getting like the high guys are getting one fifty, and the lower guys are getting like seventy five, and that's helping guys you know not you know have to go overseas and take these jobs. They can just go in the G League, but now I guess this year they they stepping it up even more where. These these top high school guys, they're they're trying to really pay them money to develop them and and have them stay stay home and not go overseas. Mm. That how do you think that will impact college basketball? So if you start getting these high level guys who over the last I don't know how many years have been going to colleges, they've been going to the blue bloods, but going mm-hmm. to college, they might not be doing that anymore. How does that impact the college game? How much does it change? You think? Um, it's not it's, it's not great for the game, but I still feel like the college game will 
always be competitive because you might because you have some of these guys. It'll take away a lot of the one and dones. Mm-hmm. Because um, that rule's ending anyway, right? The one and done rule. Correct. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where, where they are with that. I thought I heard it was uh, uh, Bronny's year. It was over when when uh, Bronny's a, I guess senior in high school. He would be the first class eligible to go straight to the league. Is what I what I heard was on the table and was going okay. to get pushed through. But of course, it would be Bron's son, LeBron's son. <laughs> right. I think I think I think personally, not to drift off to anything, but I think that's one of the reasons LeBron has done such a great job of keeping his body that he wants to play with with Bronny. Right. I really believe that because I don't think – has there ever been a father and son basketball? I know there has been in baseball, Ken Griffey Jr. and Sr. I don't know that there's ever been in basketball, right? I seriously doubt it. Yeah, that would be the first ever. So I can see that back of LeBron's mind. But anyway, and, and I agree with you. I think the college game survives because it just – the college game is so, it's so different. It, it doesn't – the college game doesn't have to have stars per se. To survive, you agree with that? Right, right. I mean, them, the 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 team's going to cheer for for their teams. The crowd's going to be there. Mm-hmm. And it's just about developing players who, who who wasn't looked at as the greatest coming out into good players. You know, but by, by the time they leave school. Mm-hmm. So that that's going to be a great segue to talk a little bit about the current uh, Bearcat team and. You know, a lot of those guys you already know. I've seen you with, you know, practices and all that. So this past season, with the changing of the guard from Mick to Coach Brandon, uh, different philosophies, and it was such an intriguing year because, you know, Coach Brandon wants to implement a totally different style, but then you've got, you know, your core senior guys that have been there so long, they've played a certain way under Mick to kind of get them out of that is tough. You deal with injuries. So it was like Brandon really didn't get a chance to coach this team. It was more so he had it he had to manage them more than more than coach. So what what was your impression of the team this year and how the season went? Just as you said it, I mean I know it, it's tough it's tough for a lot of people. It's tough on coach to, you know, take over this team when you got seniors who've played a certain way for three years. Um, even for for a guy like Trey, um, mm-hmm. you got guys transferring, mm-hmm. getting injuries. I think the the hardest part was probably the the him and Jaren dynamic, where because um, like, I know it, it really benefited Trey. Trey Trey loved the new style, um, yes, he but, but Jaren it wasn't wasn't working out wasn't working out for Jaren. Mm-hmm. Jaren used to having the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. He's the reigning player of the year, and now you got you got you got this. You basically out there without having a ball in your hands. Mm-hmm. And 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 that class and the class happened, and we were losing games without him. And then, kind of like you know, Mick did at UCLA, but he started off pretty slow too. They 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 got they got their relationship got better, and he basically put the ball in Jaren's hand. And seeing that was the way that we were going to win with with that team. Jaron started playing the point, and Jaron started because he's comfortable that way. Mm-hmm. And and the teams team started winning some games. Yep. How, how much 
how much were you in conversation with uh, the guys this past season? Um, I talked to them pretty often. I mean, more so early. Mm-hmm. Just trying to, you know, get them to just, just with Jaren mostly. I mean, I talk to Trey all the time, but Trey's always positive. Yeah, for um, sure. Just trying to get Jaren to, to stay in there because, well, that's a battle that he can't win. And it's his career, uh-huh. and and you know sometimes you know Jaron, you know he's especially when the career he's had, and he's probably looking at man, I'm trying to score two thousand points, I'm trying <laughs> to be, <laughs> I'm trying to be in the Hall of Fame up here, and yep. and it's this this year is not happening how I expected it to happen, uh-huh. and, and and aside from him not being healthy. I'm just I'm just glad he came around. I just try to, you know, make the guys stay healthy and just keep regardless of what anybody else is doing, worry about what you can control. You can control yourself getting better. You can control how you handle things and just stay positive and keep working because it's not the end of your career here. Right. Now, and that's good, too, that, you know, guys like yourself are talking to those guys because the coaching staff can only say so much. Right. You know, and then it just becomes like, you know, Charlie Brown's teacher, wah, 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 wah. you know, they just kind of tune that out. And now someone like, you know, yourself that comes in with the resume you do and, you you know, you have a relationship with you guys and you're telling them this and that. I think they, they, they take that. They really take that in and, and apply that. You could You could start to see the team start to make some strides. And I honestly thought before the whole pandemic hit, and they're getting ready to head down to the conference tournament. I'm telling my buddies, like, I think this team's going to turn the corner. My, I think, I think they're going to play well in the conference tournament. And if they're if they do and get to the NCAA tournament, not saying they're going to win the whole tournament, but you just never know. The team gets team gets lucky, gets hot, you know, makes some shots early. You, you never know. We see that every year. Loyola, the one year got hot, you know, took off. So it was good to see them kind of progress and make those strides. So so with that being said, I, I want to get your impression of uh, Coach Brandon, um, his style of play, obviously very, very different from Mick, but what's been your impression with Coach Brandon and how he's uh, run the program so far? Um, impressed. I mean, when I first, when I first, when he first came and I went to like a few of the early practices and I was like, yeah, this guy's teaching pro stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be fun to see him, you know, implement it with the guys. You know, not really thinking about how hard it's going to be for maybe just Jaron. I'm thinking, man, well, I wish he had Kane in his offense, um, uh-huh. who, who, who Mick had for a few years. But it, it, I mean, it's it's a hard it's a hard position that he was put in this year, and I think he handled it pretty well. Um, uh-huh. He he played basketball, so he he understands the guys. He's been where they are, so he's going to be able to to deal with the guys. It's hard to to really judge him just off this year. I want to see him when he when he gets his guys in there and um and and just see how how we how we play after he's able to you know really have his his players there. Uh huh. Now, now you, you just said something, and we had this conversation. So it was was me, you, and James White at one of the earlier practices. And your exact comment at that practice to me was, 
this is a pro he's teaching pro style stuff a pro style mm-hmm. practice explain to the fans what that means um just just some of the like the spacing because mm-hmm. I, I know when i first got when i first got here and i'm trying to tell these guys to like they running up and you know running up each other's back i'm like why well, jern or or troy somebody are trying to they need space to work Go stand, go in the corner, get away from him. Stop trying uh-huh. to run up, like, because the most important thing I learned when I got to the pros is spacing. Uh-huh. You'll notice everybody, the wings, they're going to run wide. <laughs> yeah. They're going to, you know, once the play going, once they run and pick a row, it's two guys in the corner. It's a guy lifted, and it's a guy that's, like, at the nail spot um, on, 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 on the baseline by that line. And uh-huh. Them guys wasn't doing that with me. So Brandon came in and put X's out there. Uh-huh. It made them guys have to run to the X. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, that's I've been trying to tell tell them guys that for a few years now. Right. And 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 some of the defensive stuff that he was he was teaching them too. Also, because and when, when mixed defense was great, and I and I and I I love their. Um, their stuff. It was different. For, it was different for me. Some of their principles, uh-huh. but it worked. Uh-huh. Yep. And, and and what was so interesting about mixed defense too? It was it was so tough for a lot of teams to prepare for that. Right. Because you know, for for scouting, especially when you're in the season, you don't have a lot of time to prepare for teams because you got, you know, you not not only sometimes during a season you you don't prepare just for the team you play next. Sometimes you're preparing for the next two teams. So it, 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 with not a lot of prep time, that's a hard defense to, to play against. But with, with Coach Brandon and that change of style, when I watched the first couple practices, I was like, Trey Scott is going to flourish in this. And I, and I tweeted that out. And you, you agreed with that when we were sitting there. So what was it about it that was so beneficial for Trey in your eyes? And you you spent a lot of time with Trey. You worked with Trey. Mm-hmm. Why did his game translate so well? I mean, he had a I mean, he had an unbelievable season this year. Right. Well, for Trey, I mean, even even Trey just getting the opportunity to get out there because Trey was such on a on a leash the last yep. few years. He 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 would get pulled out of the game fast. Yep. And um, now he's getting a chance to go out there and, and play. Uh-huh. So that's one. And a, a free-flowing offense where the, the floor is spaced and he's able to just, you know, run up and down and use his athleticism, is, that game is going to work for him. And, uh-huh. I, was, and I was telling Trey, because in his coaches program, like the, a lot of stuff they're teaching us is the guys they want is they want guys who are has good size and athleticism that can guard multiple positions. Mm. And that's something that, that Trey can do. Mm-hmm. Now, also what they like is, you know, that guy to be able to knock down an open shot, which Trey can do. He can, mm. he, can get, he can get more consistent at it. So I'm like, Trey, a guy your size, you can guard, you know, three, four positions. And you're athletic. They want guys like you. And you know <clears throat> he was able to show them that this year, and that's mm-hmm. why I was so happy for him. And I was telling him even like that they like that more than you going out and averaging twenty points a game. Right, the versatility. Right, 
Mm-hmm. And and the other thing too about about Trey, especially this year, was dude just didn't get tired. I mean, he was playing, you know, every single minute for three, four overtime games. And so, and, and I was telling Trey this after the season. I said, you know, you take a look at that, not only what you could do on the court, but your ability to condition and be prepared for that, that plays out well at the next level because, as you know better than anybody, the NBA is a grind. I mean, yeah. it is an absolute grind, and I think a lot of players struggle with that transition from the college grind to the NBA grind, and the the better you look as far as being able to transition to that, the better. And I think Trey showed that this season that he could probably handle that type of grind. Of course, it'd be an adjustment, but right. it's a different grind, right? It is different. I mean, these guys are young. They expect that from them guys. Um mm-hmm. Unless you're just a, a big seven footer that got weight on you or something, but they right. expect these young guys to be to be in shape because, mm-hmm. and especially in college, they run you to death in college. You get in trouble, they're running. In the NBA, it's not like that. They're not running you to death. You it's up to you, right, to, to work on your condition. Now, what it's tough for if you if you getting thrown right in the fire, and now you got to play 82 game season, and you know, and you got to really be out there, and you got to have the ball in your hands a lot. That's that's who is the toughest for you. Got to play offense and defense, and you got to play thirty something minutes. That don't happen a lot for a lot of rookies. Mm-hmm. But the guys who just come in the, off the bench and playing minimum minutes, now you got to worry about because you you only practicing for an hour, hour and a half, and you're not doing a lot of running. You're playing every other night. Now you got to work on conditioning on your own time and they have mm-hmm. trainers and stuff like that who help you you don't play a certain amount of minutes they'll make you do some extra running and stuff like that but that's that stuff is easy for young guys you go in there and knock that stuff out with no pride that'd be easy for a guy like you know Trey just doing the regular running that he's used to doing in college mm-hmm. in some ways college is tougher on your conditioning in the NBA unless you're out there playing 35 minutes a game that's when it's tough on your body mm-hmm so, so what do you think about Trey's opportunity at the next level? Um, I think he has a good opportunity. It's funny because I had I had to do a scout on like nine players coming into this draft, and one of them they gave me Trey, and I told Trey, and I had to go in, and I and I could have done his scout without even looking at the stuff, but you know I got to work on using the the synergy, the program that we're, we're using. So I went back and made a highlight tape of Trey and all that, and I had to write down, you know, all the stuff that he does, and basically, I told him the stuff that they're looking for, you provide. Now, he was able to knock down your jump shot more consistent. That's that's all all you got to do. Because the athleticism, the size, and the garden, garden, because every team got guys, two or three guys, that's already doing their scoring. They don't really want guys that's going to come in and take away from that. Mm-hmm. They want guys that can, they can just plug in and just play defense and spot up and knock down shots. And going into the season, Trey wasn't really the NBA prospect Jaron Cumberland right. was. Right. After this year, what do you think Jaron's chances of getting into the NBA and playing at the NBA next year, years after? So what are your thoughts on him? 
I think Jaren, Jaren, he don't he don't fit the measurables, but Jaren just needs somebody to take a chance on him because Jaren can play. Jaren's a smart player. He mm. understands the game, and when the ball is in his hands, he knows how to make things happen. Yeah. Now what? But it's going to be harder for him, especially when now you know it's even a little harder for Trey because they can't work out. They can't. They can't like. Cause I'm like you supposed to go and them guys who project the lottery, go work out against those guys and kill them. Mm. Now they can't really do that. Yep. Um, and Jaron, he he's not great at that. Jaron's just a guy. Look, give me the ball. I want the ball in my hands. I want it in the big moments, and you know how to make things happen. And it's gonna be mm-hmm. hard for him to get that opportunity unless. Someone just really, really believes in Jaren. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why last year when he came out, he went to some of the pre-draft stuff, and I'm like, "Yeah, what happened?" He's like, "Man, they wouldn't pass me the ball," and I'm like, "And that's a hard kind of um, <laughs> like, them, 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 them pre-draft things. It's hard for because everybody's out there to try to get drafted. They're not trying to win games. They just out there to to show their stuff, right?" And Jaren's more of a okay. He let the game come to him, but he's he knows that at point in time he's gonna have the ball in his hands. He's gonna be able to do something, and that's not always the case when you go into them kind of situations. Yep. So, like I say, for him, I believe if you just throw him out there in the game and and let him have the ball in his hands, that he'll make things happen. But I, I, somebody's just gonna have to really believe him to give him that opportunity because. He he he's not the the tallest and the most athletic, right? And does and that's and, and it's kind of messed up, but that's you know kind of the stuff they look for. Uh huh. Yep. So, did you hear? I mean, did did Jaren share with you any other feedback that they gave him when he went to those um, those camps, those workouts? He no, he didn't give me. He didn't share any feedback at all. He just told me that he wasn't. He going back to school, uh-huh. and he just he just wasn't they wasn't giving him the ball. Yeah, so he wasn't able to show him the things. I mean, because he's a he's a good passer, he's a good scorer, um, shoots for range, gets to the line, uses his body, and he he can do it. He can do a lot of things. It's just about let letting him do it. Yeah, and, and sometimes you gotta you gotta kind of go take it. And I don't know if that's it's his strong suit. It's gonna look like he's forcing it at that point. Right. Yep. Now, so so Jaron goes and and tests the waters, and I know this off season, I believe Keith Williams and um, Big Chris have done the same thing, um, and that seems to be a trend that's growing. Do you advise players that are in that position to do that? Go test those waters based on the new rules they have set up, where you can go back. I think you get it. NCAA approved um, agent, is that correct? Could you explain that? I'm not sure of all the rules. Um, they they changed. I think they even moved the date back this year. I mean, with the pandemic stuff going on, I don't know what's the what the rules are on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do advise. I mean, testing the water, it doesn't hurt uh-huh. to go out there and and just kind of get a feel for. Some stuff you're gonna to have to go go through. Um, maybe you, maybe you wow some people, and, uh-huh. and you get you get some guarantees, and 
it, you might not have to come back, but at least having that option to come back to school, I don't think getting that experience will hurt you at all. And fans sometimes they freak out. Like when, when Big Chris did this in, in Test of Waters, fans were kind of freaking out, like, oh, he's leaving, he's gone. And not, not all of them fully understood the process, but then they're like, why would he go and do that? He has no chance of playing in the NBA. And I don't think they fully understand. I think it's good for, for some of these guys, like you said. You can learn what you need to work on and go back in college and work on it. And that, that not only helps you in the program, it also looks good for recruiting. So now, as Coach Brandon goes through this, he has more guys looking at the NBA. I think kids see that and say, oh, they got, they got potentially some pro guys. You agree with that? For sure, like you say, you you get you get some advice from from people who's who's working where you want to be, uh-huh. and you know not just from your coach. And they tell you the stuff that listen, we want we want you to work on this. We want to see you do this, and you go work on it. And I don't know if it help. I don't know if it hurts recruiting at all. I would think by that time you probably already got your players coming in for next year. Uh-huh. So I hope it doesn't hurt your recruiting. But but if not knowing if your kids want to come back or not, but coaches. Sometimes coaches know that, yeah, this kid's not ready. He's, and they probably got their own um, their own contacts where they where they don't think, you know, the kid is going to get drafted, so they'll plan on them coming back. Right. Yep. So, yeah, I don't think it – I don't think that, that hurts at all. I wouldn't – if I was a coach, I wouldn't mind a kid going to test the waters at all. So, looking at, you know, Coach Brandon, we talked a little bit about his style of play. And also him getting in, you know, some of the guys that fit his system and some of the recruits he has. Uh, a couple of them I've seen on the AU circuit. Um, some of them I haven't, but I've only seen seen clips. Um, I, I think personally, and, and just to kind of get your opinion, um, I feel very comfortable with Coach Brandon and, you know, the ball being in his hands to take this program, you know, kind of the next level. What about yourself? I like what I've seen so far. Um, I just, you just got to, like I said, you just got to see more. Um, yep. I don't, I don't see no reason why. I mean, the way he managed the team this year and turned it around, I thought it was great. It's just about getting, getting some players in here that can, that can play. And um, it, it looked like them, the, the twins. I haven't seen them play. I've seen a few highlights. They look good. The, the kid with the, um, with the blonde hair, he seems to be an exciting player. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, that's what's about just getting getting some play, especially the way if he, he he's coaching them, you know, to a pro style to spread the floor and shoot threes and go out there and, and show your talents. He's not holding you back. So now it's just about bringing in some talent. Yep. And I I tell you, there's a different vibe out there in the the whole recruiting world right now for for the Bearcats, and I, I'm kind of in that world because of AU basketball and all my teams and us being out there, I'm hearing Cincinnati more and more now than in the past. And and Mix and I don't mean that to 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 bash Mick or anything like that. His recruiting was different, but I'm seeing just like so many more guys at least have Cincinnati as an option. Right. Or it, at least looking at you know what I mean? Like more and more guys and there's a there's such a good vibe. And sometimes it happens when there's a changing the guard and i'm telling you man and i know you're you're you're, this is not on your radar but 
you know, for a guy like Coach Brandon, um, even Hugs, man, I'm offering someone like you a job right now because you on the recruiting trail would absolutely kill it in this climate right now. The way AU is, your resume and your history, I think you would kill it as a recruiter. Well, that's that's what I that's what I thought Mick's idea was bringing me here. Mm-hmm. And Hugs said that, and when when I told Hugs I was like I'm gonna go back to Cincinnati, you know, Mick wanted me to come back, and Hugs said he wants to use you for recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, well, one my my the ties to the the DC area, yeah, having so many players coming out of there, and all them guys look up to me, and mm-hmm. all them the guys who coach all them teams them. Some of them coach me. Some of them play against and with me. All of them, my guys. I can get DC guys, and just me being able to go to the best player in the country and say, "I was you," you know, <laughs> right? I, I was you. And, no question. Right. I don't know how many, you know, college coaches can can say they were the best player in the country, and and I can have and I can talk to them and I can you know tell them I can help them get to where they want to go and. Whatever, and I think Mick, I think Mick, Mick kind of knew that. That's why he, well, that's what Huck said. That's why he brought me here. Mm-hmm. But for, but for, but with Mick, he, I think he just wanted a certain kind of player. I'm not sure if he even wanted them top players because you gotta, you gotta have a certain kind of player to to play for Mick. I agree with you. I think Keep Coach, going. I, yep. I think Coach Brandon is more. He's he's. Like I say, he 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 played, and he, I think he's been more in, in, in tune with a lot of the AAU guys. Yep. Lately, I know Mick used to be. Yep. Um, now you know Mick. Mick's kind of you know up 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 there where, mm-hmm. like, I can do this with my guys, like the guys I want. I don't need these guys. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. Right. Totally agree. And I think the other thing too, like so so just imagine this. So AU tournament, and you know how they are. They're in sometimes they're in big facilities where there's like four or five courts. And Dermar <clears throat> Johnson walks in, he's got a Cincinnati, you know, shirt on, he's got the whole gear, you know, polished shit. He walks in, players see him, and, and now the the way we are now, every kid has a phone on him. And they Google you, and they look through all your shit on Google, and and Wikipedia and all that. They're like, "Damn, this dude!" Like for some of those kids, they don't know your history. Some of the wow. younger kids, but they have access to Google, and they're like, "Yo, he's at Cincinnati." And then you talk to them, and and like you're not, you know, you don't look like an old old hooper. You still look young, you know. You got swag, so. It would just it would all time well. So I, I hope you know I hope you make it to the to the NBA front office. Hopefully one of those steps on the way there is, is coaching at UC. So I just want to put that out in the atmosphere. Right, I, pre- I appreciate that, and and, yeah. and I agree. I, I mean that's what I hear Penny and Mike Miller do. They say Penny and oh. Mike Miller are coming there with their 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 Jones and their pennies on and phone pauses, and they just look cool, and the kids want to go there. People go I, so okay. You said it, so I'm, a, I'm a, so I'm at an AU tournament, and Mike Miller's son plays AU. His son's a his son's gonna be a beast. Well, the, the he's got I think he's got a couple, but one of them is gonna be a beast. He walked into an AU tournament, 
and he was there to watch his son slash recruit. And man, he had on like he had on some kicks. I, I, you know me, I'm in the shoes. Mm-hmm. And he had some pennies I've never seen before in a colorway. He had on a jogging suit. Like he had the whole. Everyone's like, yo, yo, yo. They're pointing their win. They they won already. Right. They, you know what I'm saying? You you, right. you win you win with that, and people might look at that as like not not maybe a big deal, but you got to put your you got to put yourself in a mind of a 16, 17 year old kid and what they're thinking at the time. You're cool, DJ. That's going to help in that recruiting process. So, right. hey, I'll put in the words to Coach Brandon for you. You can best believe that. Yeah, you're welcome. Do you so? Do you still let's talk about relationships real quick? Do you still um, speak to Hugs? Have you spoken to him recently? I do speak to him. Um, yeah, I, I spoke to him just to see how he was doing and what he was doing through all this. He said he was bored as hell. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I said, um, I said I'll come down there and, and hang with you for a little bit. Just let me know. He said that'll be great. He said I will. <laughs> He's the best man. <laughs> He is. He's the best. Yeah. Um, what What about Mick? Have you had a chance to speak to Mick? Also, I, I um I spoke to him also probably a few weeks ago. Just just checking on him and saying how he's doing. Say say he was good. And that's, I think that's one of the golf. You said golfing. Yeah, that's all he can do is what he said. Shit out in L.A., man. That's, yeah, that's about all you can do right now. Right. Um, I, I think that's one of. That's one of your strong suits. There's there's so many things I think you bring value to to the game of basketball, and that is, you, you said one earlier, and that's you could walk up to the number one kid in the country and say, "Hey, I've been in your shoes." But then also, the, I think the life lessons that you can teach. Your story's so unique in that you were that number six pick, best kid in the country. You came back and got your degree. That's that's something that I think will start to become a bigger a bigger trend eventually. Um, because I think guys like Chris Paul and LeBron are going to start pushing for those type of educational pieces. Um, but then, like, your, your ability to build relationships, too, has been um, – it, it's been fun to watch. It's it, it's high level, too. Um, like, you know, the, between the NBA, staying in touch with Hugs, with Mick, just, just, just building relationships and not burning them. And I think there are a lot of players that do that. They burn – they burn bridges, which they think at that time, maybe I don't need that bridge. But, right. yeah, you might not need it now, but eventually you will. And I think you've done a great job of, of maintaining those relationships. Yeah, this is me being, being – just being me. I'm not trying to I – don't, I don't want nothing from anybody. It's just you, my guy. And, I mean, I'm going to always be the same with you that I've always been. I, yep. I mean, I'm cool with it. I've never had a problem with any teammates I've ever had. Everybody's always been cool, and I'm friendly with everybody. Yep. You're the same dude I met in 1999, that's for sure. Right. Um, okay, let's let's jump into uh, the last dance. And one of the reasons I want to talk to you about this is, is not only that you played in the NBA, you, you obviously played against Michael Jordan, but uh, did you watch every episode? I did. You were, you were locked in like like me and everybody else. Um, did anything surprise you? Um, surprise me. Um, probably I, with the whole. I didn't know that him and Horace Grant had problems with each other. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I thought Pippen took 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 a lot of L's. <laughs> sure did. And and I think they were self inflicted ones. And, mm-hmm. and I love I, I love Pip. And and but I think a lot of people trying to you know make it seem like Mike is putting these L's out there, and I disagree. Mike said in the beginning, what I think everybody forget is there's no Jordan without Pippen. Mm-hmm. And that Pippen was his, you yep. know, his best teammate. And I think they got lost because after that is all, you know, a lot of the stuff that Pip did that, you know, that that wasn't the best decision. Mm-hmm. And him saying that the thing with the last shot with Tony Kukos, him saying that he would do that again, I was surprised that he doubled down on that. I was too. Like I, I was so ready for him to be like, you know what, I made a mistake. I, I, I would have done it differently now. Right. Right. I, I was I was shocked about that. I think too, like the one thing with 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 MJ that he's done is he's almost like he he's created this this image where I think like Shannon Sharp talked about it one day. Like he just doesn't seem real at times. And it was like people don't know what he's not on social media. He doesn't do a lot of interviews, so you don't know a lot. He's always been private. So this has been really, I think, other than the Hall of Fame speech, this has been really one of the first times that mass public gets to get to the mind of of MJ. I think a person that, like for you and I, we've always known his mentality and how he was, but the public net is now learning that. Right, right. You know, and and so for you, you playing against him, um, and you played against him in his his later part. Um, what was that like for you? I caught, yeah, I caught him at the end. Um, even though he the, the game that I played against, we still had like twenty eight that game. Um, it was it was it was still Mike. It was a it was a like a. And he's probably the only guy that I've ever played against where it's like in awe, even though it wasn't young Mike. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's still it's still Mike. I mean, I, I grew up a Bulls fan. Yep. He made me fall in love with the game. And even though I, I don't play like him, I did try, try to mimic a lot of the things he did when I was younger. I wouldn't need this. Nothing wrong with my knee at all. Same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Right, you know, try to, you know, any 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 pair of your shoes I can get, you know, I tried to get. Um, and he he's that one guy for me that's just like, just he's up there from like him and like Jay Z and stuff like that. Like them guys are just Mount Rushmore for me. So for me to to get the opportunity from being the biggest fan to actually being on the court with that guy, it it, it was it was it was heavy for me. And and I think he gets criticized. He gets criticized for two things that I think he needs more praise for. One is the baseball experience. So, and they talked about that in the document uh, documentary a little bit. Um, just him going from not playing. Listen, I, I haven't played baseball, and I don't. I can't remember the last time I played baseball, but I haven't played for a long time. That is, baseball is one of the toughest sports to just jump into. To hit that damn white ball that's coming all kind of different. I mean, just the skill that comes with baseball is so very, very difficult. For him to jump from hoops to that and then end up hitting 
batting 200, whatever he did, um, was was very, very impressive in in my eyes. And and him, I think what was even more impressive about that, DJ, was here is arguably one of the most famous people in the world jumps to something he knows he possibly could fail at in in the public eye. So he goes from being almost a perfect person to I'm not I'm not afraid to fail. Right. And I think people miss that. And then fast forward to the Wizards years, he gets criticized for that. But I always tell people, man, what I loved about the Wizards years was two things. Number one, it was so it was all mental. Like what he was doing on the court, I think he averaged maybe twenty whatever points a game. He was doing that all off of how intelligent he was because his body was broken down. He's getting mm-hmm. his knee drained. I think his finger was like half cut off from that cigar thing. It was just all mental. But what I what I also loved about it was, and you tell me if you agree with this or not, for so many years I think those high level players play for everybody they play for everyone else. I feel like the Wizards years he was playing for himself. Like, this is for me. Like I don't care about if I'm the greatest player in the world. I love hooping. I'm just hooping. Right. That's how I looked at the Wizards years. What about you? Yeah, I mean, just just love just loving the game and knowing and looking out there and, and like, man, listen, I can I can still kill these guys. Yep. And I I thought he still felt like, man, what if I come back and and help this team win one at forty? Because he didn't want to be done when he was done. I know. And 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 I didn't know how how big a role Jerry Krause played in all that. I didn't know he gave he told Phil he was done before the season even started, which is crazy to me. Um, he he kind of ruined my team. But <laughs> Mike Mike did, Mike wanted to win seven. He he yep. didn't he wanted to win eight. And I think just that love for the game, kind of like like right now, me being forty years old right now, when guys say they're going to hoop, I'm going to hoop. Um, uh-huh. and I had a chance to still play in the NBA, and you know, of of course, and he's still going out there averaging twenty. I think that was just his, his love for the game, just like you said. Yep, no question. Well, hey, listen, I, I tweeted out um, that you were coming on the uh, podcast, and I asked a couple folks to give me some Twitter questions for you. So I grabbed two off of Twitter. I want to read those to you. Um, Kevin Lynch, which is at Kevin Lynch Shy, he asked, "I'd like to know." What is his greatest challenges were? Was it something basketball, his rehab, or was it going to college to finish his degree in recent years? So, the, Michael, the playing basketball, my rehab, or going to college to finish my degree? Yeah, just asking your your, your biggest, your greatest challenge in life. My greatest challenge? Good question. Um, they're all, they're all. Big challenges. Um, different, different challenges. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe, maybe getting my degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause c- coming back in my in my late thirties, having to um, been away from school for so long, and having to basically start over. You know, I didn't I didn't leave as as a like some guys these seniors and still don't finish school yet and they cut, you know, 15, 30, 30 hours and I had to start over and do it all, do it all again. And wow, 
in the practice every day and in the games, and it it, it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't easy. Now, my rehab, my rehab wasn't either, but it was just about making my neck, you know, getting motion, range of motion in my neck. It wasn't like my legs were fine and my body was fine. It was just, you know, range of motion in my neck, and that was kind of weird and hard too. Mm-hmm. Um, was was uh, when you came back to to uh, to get your degree? Did you work with uh, Coach or uh, not Coach uh, Doctor Lucky? Yeah, he was instrumental in in all of this. What a great what a great dude! Great we gotta give him a shout out, right? Yeah, for sure. I love Doctor Lucky. No, no question. And I, I've worked with him on several different things, and he's just he's he's the best. So we we definitely gotta give him a shout out. Um, the next Twitter question I have, we've kind of answered, but I'm going to ask kind of a follow-up to the question. It was from Justin uh, Wander at Cincy Cincy underscore Justin. He says, do you think you will coach again in the near future? We've talked about that, but I want to add to that question. Um, do you think something will happen for you next season? Um, whether it's NBA, anything. I hope so. I hope so. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be coaching, but it can be, whichever comes first. Um, I really, I really, especially when we ain't talk about this, but my role in the big three, aside from playing, has really intrigued me more so on the GM side. Mm. Um, I've, you know, I've been a GM for my team in the big three. For, for the past three years, and I've been responsible for guys. I mean, it's a pro league that, you know, pays guys six figures. I've been responsible for these guys getting jobs because of, you know, the homework I've been having to do on getting these guys. I've been through three drafts. Mm. And and building a team is 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 fun for me, and I like the work that goes, goes into that. Um, so I would love to get a chance to be a front office scout or something. But yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, coaching any of those things come through for me sooner than later. And I was gonna—I was eventually gonna get to the big three. Um, so, what's going on with the big three right now with the whole pandemic going on? Well, they just—they just canceled the season for this summer, uh-huh. pushed it back, pushed it back for next summer. So, um, now now it's nothing. And what's your what's your role in the future going to be with the big three? Oh well, now I'm just a captain of my team, and, okay. and with that, it's kind of it's why I got the captain from 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 AI and from from year one, <laughs> and so so it's funny. So year one, um, everybody has a captain, a co-captain, and a coach. So mm-hmm. AI is the coach and the captain, and I'm his co-captain. So we go into the combine like a hundred so guys. Trying to trying to work out and get drafted, uh-huh. so AI doesn't show up to the combine. <laughs> so <laughs> so now I'm all, I'm all is already the only team that you know he's the coach and the captain. Everybody else has three people that's uh-huh. out here looking at these guys to draft. I'm out here alone. I'm in Vegas. I'm alone trying to find out who I want to draft for our team because he's not there. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to see all the games and 
because this mm-hmm. guy's playing on every court. So that was a challenge for me. So, you know, I'm doing my scout work and my GM work. I'm calling guys who who teammates of guys where these guys played last year, and I'm trying to find out all the intel I can find out to see who I want to draft. And, and I, I think for the league, <clears throat> they um, – Look at me as a guy who who has made some of, if not the best picks, and you know, and um, and that's something I could put on my resume. I've already, I've already been in the GM role with mm. that league, and you know, I'm hoping that can help me carry on to the to the next level. So it was it was almost a blessing that that AI didn't show up from a standpoint of you getting that experience, right? Well, even even if he did show up, I still have that experience because you know he probably still. Was would have been talking to everybody and and, and making making me do all the all the work. So I'm like, like he called me one time. He's like, "Man, what you see?" And like and and then like during the season, where I got to decide who plays, who doesn't play, because we have a reserve. I'm like, "Man, who you who you want to play this this week?" Man, okay, man, you know you do all that. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so I actually took on the role, that role more so than than the playing role, because I'm like, "Man, I got to run this team." Mhm. That's funny. Right, right, and it, it was it was fun for me. Yeah. Um, and and I've told you this before, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep uh, speaking this to an existence. You know, my my basketball career is is over. It's it's been over. There's there's only one there's only one thing that I need to <clears throat> accomplish left. Um in my basketball career, you know, I've, I've met Michael Jordan. I've had the conversation with him, talked to him a little bit, work with the brand Jordan company with a shoe, like all the things I wanted to accomplish playing for the school. I love Cincinnati. We had a Jordan uniform, but man, growing up, I've told you this, I got a 20 page notebook in which I've taken detailed notes of AI when he was at Georgetown and man, I implemented so much of that in my game, and I've always just wanted to meet him and show him that book, and just just tell him that. Like I know he gets a lot of people that give him love. He's got fans everywhere, but that's the only thing I gotta close, man. So maybe one day I need your help on that. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to get him to to come out here to, to visit me in Cincinnati, just to just to get away for a little bit. It's just. He's a hard guy to catch, man. You got to you got to catch him at the right time. I, I believe it. I, I totally believe it. Um, well, hey, I want to end with uh, what I usually do at the, at the end of the podcast. Now, I do quick questions, quick answers. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Quick questions, quick answers with Dermar Johnson. Number one, what is your best accomplishment in your life? Sorry, I'm slow. This answer. Make an NBA. <laughs> okay. Make an NBA. Good deal. Now this one, I know your answer, but I'm more interested in the score. If you were to play James White one on one in your prime, who would win and what would be the score? Who are we going to? Ten. Ten four. You beat him ten four. Okay. Yeah, probably right now too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to tell him because I told him I was gonna ask you. And he was like, "Man, I don't want to hear that crazy." He might get six right now. He might. Get 
I love it. Um, all right, question number three. Now, I really want you to think about this. All right, I don't know what your answer is going to be, but I really want you to think deep about this. So you don't have to give me a quick answer. Just think. <clears throat> all right, if you could kind of go back and, and, and do life over again, would you rather be the number one basketball player in the world or would you rather be the number one rapper in the world? So, meaning, would you rather be MJ or Jay-Z? I would rather be the number one basketball player in the world. Mm. MJ, got it. Got it. You, you, you think Jay-Z's the GOAT, right? You with me? I do. Okay, good. I, I figured you did. Okay. Which leads me to my last question, DJ, my last one. I'm going to read a rap line to you. I want you to tell me whose lyric this is, okay? Okay. Test your, test your hip-hop knowledge here. <clears throat> too strong, don't try and post me. Been playing too long. That's me. Don't try and coach me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Hey, that's my line right there, man. Been playing too long. Don't try and coach me. <laughs> where, you, where you find this? <laughs> hey dog, let me let me tell you. Um, I've I've heard I've heard all the songs. I've heard all the songs, but that line has always stood out to me. Like I'm a big I'm a big hip hop fan. I'm a big right. big lyricist, so I listen closely to everything. Right. And that was <laughs> that's my line right there. I appreciate. It. I got so I got a lot of songs that that that's not on YouTube that you haven't heard. I have. Have a lot. Why are you depriving us of not hearing this? Why Why is it not they're out? Old, they're old now. Back when I was, I had my studio and okay. my label, and I was really trying to do it. You know, we were knocking out stuff all the time, and um, and just I just wasn't able to get it all out there. Some of that stuff I put out there, I just have a lot that I haven't. Mhm. Why'd you Why'd you stop? Um, I don't know. Just. Just started going overseas. Um, I wrote up, wrote down a lot of notes and stuff like a, a raps that I need to put together. I actually did a song the re- recently, most recent. I did a song with Stephen Jackson like last year. Okay. Nice. That's, that's something I, I can I can I can get to you. Yeah, for sure. Do that. Yeah, you that. And you got you got to get your own YouTube page and just start releasing this content, man. So we can. Oh, I, I I had back well back then. I didn't run it. One of my artists did it, and mm-hmm. you know, I, and I put a lot of stuff on there. Like some of my probably seen some of my songs. It's probably on that page, and we had like a lot of recordings of like stuff we were doing around the house that were funny. I just mm-hmm. I don't live as exciting of a life as I used to, so. <laughs> <laughs> Not as much funny stuff to put out there. And right, now, right. you know, with social media, you don't want to, you know, get in no trouble or be oh, looked at when you try to get a you trying to get a job. You know, just have yeah. to kind of chill out. That's true. But I still I like enjoy writing. I still enjoy, you know, if somebody asked me to get on a song, I would, you know, like fun putting something together. Mhm. I like how when I, I, I mean, I was halfway through reading that that line, and you knew right away. You yeah. knew. I'd have been surprised if somebody else that <laughs> came up with that. <laughs> did I, I surprised you then? Yeah, you did. I was waiting on because I'm like, okay, because I, I, I was, because I know my lyrics, 
Mm-hmm. So I kind of, you know, was looking forward to getting getting the lyrics, unless it was just some off-brand rapper or something. But if it was going to be any known rapper, I probably wouldn't know. But mm-hmm. then, <laughs> well, let's meet. <laughs> Love it, man. Well, hey, uh, recently I saw, <clears throat> when I talked to uh, Kenny Satterfield, K. Sat, I saw you uh, worked out his son a little bit in the gym. Right. KJ, right. how is he? He's good, man. Kenny, Kenny, be on them kids hard. Him and his mm-hmm. daughter. Um, yeah, yeah, those daughters good. Right. Cause I told him to come down. I got got a hold of a a gym out by my way, and um, he he seen me in the gym. He's like, man, we haven't been in the gym in months. I said, come on down. Mm-hmm. So I got the kids down here, got him in the gym, and after we wrecked out, he he offered to play Kenny one on one. Kenny's like, no, nah, I'm tired. I ain't playing. I said, because at first I thought he said, both of y'all are done. I said, you said what? He's like, no, nah, I'm just talking to, you know, my dad. I was like, oh, because I, I play. Then, oh, so wait, wait, you thought he wanted to play you one-on-one? Yeah, I thought he was I thought he was offering me up because we, we had finished <laughs> we we oh. working out. We, we, we worked out. We were sitting over there on the side. And he had said something like, y'all done? Or y'all want to play? And I, I'm like, hold on, this kid just called me out. <laughs> Kenny didn't want to play. So I got up and was like, come on, check up. Yep. So I had to had to play. And we went to five, two times, and ended up being a score like 10-1. What was it? 10-1. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, I gotta make this. I gotta make this James White game happen. Yeah, James told me he's gonna um he's he's he gonna come down here and stay with me for a little bit. Yeah, okay. that's easy. that's. Well, see, with, with, with James though, James, what he does is he he thinks he's funny. He'll he'll just foul me. Like he <laughs> know I can get my shot off. Like when I shoot, he'll just hit my arm and think that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> like bro, that's not okay. I, I got my space to get this shot off. Let me shoot the ball. <laughs> so he'll, he'll keep doing that enough where, though, I mean, how I'm going to shoot if he keep hitting my arm. Yep. I, I, I got to be there for this one. I got to record right. this. Good old flight. Well, hey, man, this is great, man. I, I really appreciate you, you coming on. And, you know, I've interviewed you before, and we've talked about your story. I think your story is now very well documented, but I wanted to kind of dive into, you know, after the hoops. I think that's even more fascinating to me at this point and kind of what your business plan for life is moving forward. And like I said, man, I, w- I would love on your, on your, you know, next <clears throat> chapter, um, hopefully have an opportunity to be at UC, man, and, and recruit and coach and eventually get to the NBA. So anything I can do to help that process, you know I will. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It'll be that'll be lovely to be able to you know stay here. I just got a house here, stay here in my house, and I have to move and yeah, work for my school and you know help my school out. That'll be that'll be great. That's what I thought the plan was when before Mick went to UCLA. Yeah, and that just kind of you know ruined everything. Yeah, well, life life creates you know different challenges, man, and. Different opportunities arise from that that might be better. So, for sure, I'm blessed. However it goes. Yep, no question, man. Well, listen, man, I, I appreciate you, man. Bearcat fans are excited to hear this here, so uh, I'm gonna 
<clears throat> make sure we get this out there, man. And I appreciate you coming on. And we'll, we'll definitely be in touch very soon, all right? All right, no problem, man. Thanks for everything you're doing. It's all good. I'll talk to you, Slam. All right, later. I want to thank everybody for listening to our special episode, our interview series of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. And once again, you can follow me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. Also on Facebook and LinkedIn, Alex Meacham. On Snapchat, at BigMeach41. And soon to be on TikTok. I appreciate everybody listening to the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. Go Bearcats.